Broadcasting from Alito to Alton, from Champaign to Chicago, and from Robinson to Rockford, this is the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com. Sports Spectacular, that's our name, and uh, talking sports, our game, Larry Smith, Brad Sturdy. Mike Kegley is along here. Uh, Patrick Quinn on audio as well. Glad you're here with us. Hey, we turned the calendar yet again. We're into May. It seemed like it was just February. We're talking about, I don't know, uh, Illinois basketball winning every other game. Um, we'll get to basketball a bit later on. We'll talk about that. But this is uh, really a show, at least for the next hour, that is really going to be dominated by um, some Illini non-revenue sports that have just had a spectacular spring uh, for both golf teams and both tennis teams, four teams uh, headed this weekend to the NCAA tournament. Um, guys, let's start first with men's golf. Uh, Mike Small, um, you know, again, what they have done, third ranked in the country, number three. And uh, guys, they go out last weekend and not just win their eighth straight Big Ten title. They completely dominated. Death, Texas. Illinois golf, men's golf, winning the Big Ten. Those are the three <laughs> things you can count on. I mean, that that's it. I mean, like, it's just, it was utter domination. You looked at the scoreboard. I was, like, looking at it on Saturday and said, they're up by 17 shots. And then they just canceled the final round. I think they just realized it, it's kind of pointless. The only thing that hurts is <laughs> they may have won the medalist had they fit, played it out, though. They may have won the low individual as well if they'd have finished it. But regardless, another Big Ten title. It's just ho-hum. It's almost becomes commonplace you win this many in a row. I'd really like that. Maybe they should just rename the Big Ten Championship Trophy the Mike Small Trophy because, I mean, how do you you really – I mean, statistically, you really can't dominate any more than he has done this conference over the last 15 years. Yeah, The Mike Small Big Ten Trophy. Yes, Get it. exactly. Get it? It's like a yeah. Yeah, there you go. The small and big, right next to each yeah, other. Exactly. I like it. I like yeah. it. Let's yeah. do it. There you go, baby. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's unbelievable what they have done, and uh, now headed to the NCAA tournament, and we'll be following them. Uh, the Illini women also headed there um, after a spectacular uh, season, unprecedented. They won their first uh, Big Ten championship, and uh, what a job there! We're going to talk to Renee Sloan a bit later in the show, uh, but now they're headed to San Antonio. Kind of a tough draw for them. Uh, but still, they're in the dance, and once you're in, it, anything can happen. No question. And you know what? I, I love, you know, when you think about their individual, um, I really think they have a chance to do something as an individual. I think, um, you know, the Crystal Crystal Wang, who was Big Ten medalist honors, um, she's 962 in the final round of those Big Ten championships. She had eight top ten finishes, won two of her last three tournaments. I, I really think that she's got a chance to maybe – do something in this uh in this NCAAs, even if the team maybe has a tough draw. Yeah, and I think it would be fantastic to see her kind of close the deal. Um what a fantastic season she's had and and you know we've talked in the past, you know, hitting a 62 in a final round in not the greatest weather in the world makes you wonder what she could do on, on a bright, beautiful, sunny day, you know, with, with everything in her favor, what a, what a great performance. And you, you just hope they go in and play up to their abilities. Golf, you know, a golf swing can get away from you quickly too. Yeah. yeah. I can. You mentioned uh, Crystal Wang, um, Brad, you're talking about she's a big 10 medalist, also big 10 player of the year. The first Atlanta yeah. women's player to do that. 
um, since her coach, Renee Sloan, then known as uh, Renee Hyken. Uh, and so, yeah, again, they're in uh, going to TPC San Antonio. Um, I hear uh, coming up uh, uh, actually starting uh, on, on Monday uh, through Wednesday and see if they can then uh, advance six consecutive regional appearance uh, for the Illini, 10th overall in program history. Um, of course, the 2020 tournament canceled uh, because of COVID. So that's the golf side. Meanwhile, on the, the tennis side, uh, men's tennis, uh, great performance, uh, reaching the, the Big Ten semifinals, and they're rewarded uh, with a trip to uh, Harvard, and that's where they will start their NCAA ter- uh, journey. Yeah, obviously, that's uh, it's a tough tough draw. They're ranked 24th, and they're going to take on um... – you know they're going to Harvard. They're going to take on Arizona State first, obviously, and then um, then they get possibly take on Harvard. But um, this is uh, this, you always have a chance. You know you go in there and uh, you, they they didn't make the tournament in twenty twenty two, so it's great to see them back in the tournament in twenty twenty three. Yeah, and and the bottom line is is again this is just a, a, another example of a team that that really pushes through when they need to. And of, co- of course, Coach Dancer has a, a impressive record. I mean, when you when you start looking at a person, you know, a coach who has uh, their 16th NCAA tournament appearance in 18 years as the head coach, you're like, what happened those other two years? <laughs> Slacker. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, no, think of you're no Mike Small. Yeah, I mean, you're, 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 you're you know, you're really talking like these coaches are really on that that level that you know just consistency and. And at some point, that's when you go on the run and you win a national title. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Runner-up under Dancer in his second season in Champaign back in 2007. Uh, as Brad mentioned, they did miss last year, but they got there in 2021, got down to the round of 16 where they went down to Gainesville and lost to uh, host Florida in that one. The Illini women's tennis team uh, also moving on. They, too, had uh, one of their best runs in the Big Ten uh, tournament, reaching the semifinals, first time uh, since 2018 before they fell to Ohio state, but guys, they too, moving on to the NCAA. Yeah, they, they, they're in the NCAA. Uh, it's a, you know, they, uh, 14th time they've been there. Um, and so this is a, they got an at large bid. This is pretty cool. Um, but I, I, the other thing is that they also, their double team, you know, their doubles team, uh, Megan Hauser, Kate Duong also making it. So they're in the one of the 32 doubles team competing. So pretty cool. Pretty cool to see that, you know, you're relevant. Right. And, uh, you know, now you got an opportunity to maybe uh, move on and, and see what happens. Yeah, and that doubles team, you know, has a four and two record against ranked opponents this season. So that means you get them in there and they can do some damage. You know, uh, again, when you get up to as high as number seven, that means you can play with anybody in the, the country. So it'd be fun to watch. Yeah, I do a lot of damage on the tennis court too. Usually it's, you know, to people who are on the court next to us. I'm very um, but, my, my my tennis game, Brad, is very similar to Tom Hanks in Bachelor Party. Oh. Uh, that was that was pretty much my tennis. It was it's pathetic. I, it, I just swing and it's kind of like and wherever it goes, it goes. <laughs> so so I'm I'm curious, Mike, is your game worse? Is it Tom Hanks Bachelor Party or Tom Hanks Big? Which is worse? Um, I would definitely say that I, I'm just saying when I watched Bachelor Party, I thought I had actually filmed it. Because it was that bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, great job by the uh, U of I women's team. Uh, 18 wins, second most under head coach uh, Evan Clark. And again, uh, their most uh, since 2018. Um, and they go to Athens, Georgia, taking on Florida State in round one. And then uh, round two coming up uh, Saturday afternoon as well. We'll be watching that again, recording this uh, just a little bit early to get it to our affiliates. Watching that on findingalani.com. And also, again, 
uh, on our own at lineiguys.com as well. Hey, stay with us. We're going to talk with the the coach of um, of the women's golf team, Renee Sloan, and this breakthrough season, uh, how they got here and uh, won that tournament. Um, maybe, probably, likely got them into the NCAA tournament as a result. She's next here on the Sports Spectacular, all along the Atlanta Guys Radio Network. When life isn't easy, you need health care that is. You need OSF On-Call Urgent Care. With OSF On-Call Urgent Care, we make it easy to get affordable, quick, convenient care for minor illnesses and injuries when and where you need it. Reserve an appointment online or walk in for care 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. every day, even on holidays. Virtual visits are also available 24-7, 365. Get started today or find a clinic near you at osfoncall.org slash urgent care. Hi, this is Larry Smith, proud native of Central Illinois. It's been an honor to have reported on the world's biggest sporting events for the past three decades. And as a lifelong Illini fan, it's a privilege to now be with IlliniGuys.com. My friends and I put this together with one goal in mind, to have the best Illini-centric website around. Great features, podcasts, insider stuff. I know a little something about telling athletes stories, and these guys know a lot about the Illini. It's a perfect match. Come over and check it out. IlliniGuys.com. Back here on the Sports Spectacular, this segment presented by Busey Bank, proud sponsor of Illinois Athletics, and great to have back on the show Renee Sloan. Just what a spring it has been for Illini women's golf. Uh, coming out a few days ago and winning their first ever Big Ten championship and now head to the NCAA tournament down in San Antonio. Uh, Coach, welcome back to the Sports Spectacular. Congratulations, and just let's first, let's talk about the, the weekend of the Big Ten. Sure. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, yes, going in, into Big Tens, we are coming off of playing at the uh, the Lady Buckeye the weekend before and uh, just uh, had a couple of days uh, to prep, you know, very quick turnaround for us and, um, you know, headed into the week um, prepared and uh, ready to, to see what uh, what was going to transpire then at Big Tens. Yeah, that's which very excited. And um, boy, just a play of. Um of crystal wang too. tell me about and and i understand she's the first big 10 player of the year from illinois since someone i'm talking to right now is that correct <laughs> yes yes she is yes uh what a season what a season it has been for crystal and um you know what a big 10 championship for her record-setting performances uh from her final round 62 which is the lowest score in championship history um lowest score uh for the 54 hole championship as well and then to to win the mary fossum award as well as big 10 player of the year um just just quite a week for her and like i said quite a season yeah, tell me what it's like for um, a coach to, you know, because you, you know, this isn't just. I mean, it, when you when you see a player come together like that and and come through your program and then reach that kind of pinnacle, what is that like for you? Especially someone who has done that before. I mean, you literally can say, "I I've walked in your shoes." Well, it it has been um, so gratifying to to watch her growth and development. Over the past five years, you know, she came in freshman year and had, had a great, great season her freshman year. Um, and then obviously we had a few bumps with COVID and everything. And then um, last year she had another strong season, was on the on the brink of some really, really great things happening. And, um, oh, 
over time, you know, she has she has matured, she has gained experience, and she has learned how to win. And there is something to that, you know, putting yourself in that position time and time again, which she has done. And, and she, I can think back to her her second tournament, her freshman year, she had put herself in position uh, to win individually. And, and so, you know, getting accustomed to being in those situations and then managing those moments, which obviously she has, has definitely um, learned how to do. Yeah, absolutely. So now you're heading to, um, to San Antonio, the NCAA tournament. I know last year, the um, getting to the tournament, things didn't turn out the way you hoped. Um, what do you think your players um, learned from that experience and even, you know, how they've grown throughout the year to be ready for this moment? Uh, you know, just again, being in those types of situations and, and managing uh, the moment. And that's something that we've talked about really all season long, uh, focusing on our process, taking care of the things that we need to in order to play our best golf. And, um, you know, uh, clearly the team did an excellent job of that at Big Tens. And so it's a, a matter of, of continuing that. So this week we've been focusing on a couple of areas to help us in preparation for TPC San Antonio's course. Um, but then obviously once we get down there gaining as much information and knowledge as we can in the couple of days prior to the tournament. Obviously uh, I'm talking to coach uh, Renee Sloan here of the Illini women's uh, golf team. Um, the big 10, obviously a, few, a couple of weeks ago, 10 days ago was, was a huge moment. Was there a time before that pinnacle in Pennsylvania that um, you felt the team was, was beginning to gel and, and get ready for a stretch run here at the end of the season? Well, I, I will say it, it has been quite an interesting season for us. Um, and, and we have had, you know, different tournaments, different rounds where the team has really shown brilliance. And we have continually reminded the team of that and, and what they're capable of and just wanting them to believe in themselves and their abilities and working that process and understanding that, you can put the time and effort in, but we don't necessarily see the results immediately. So having faith in that process and knowing that the results will come, and whether that's a week later, a month later, a year later, none of us know that. And so just continuing to believe in themselves and what they were doing. Now, I have to ask this question because I have been asked by some Illini sports fans and and I've talked with Mike Small, the men's coach. I want to ask get your I, your your thoughts on this as well. When you're out there during the course and things are are going well or not going well, how do, we we could see team sports with football and basketball and baseball, softball, et cetera. What happens? Volleyball. You're right there next to all the players. How do you coach during a tournament? How do you reach out and how do you make those adjustments or how do you you know? give encouragement to players? I mean, how does that work at, when you're actually out there during the field of play? Well, uh, it, it can vary week to week as far as how um, we strategize as coaches, whether you know we're positioning ourselves on certain holes or walking with specific players. Um, basically, it's you know whatever is needed in the moment, and, and that can change you know in a second. And, and so for this particular tournament, Big Tens, um, the way the golf course is laid out, able to kind of go between a couple of holes um, so that way you can have those 
connections with the team members multiple times throughout the round, which which is helpful. And, and so just again, checking in with them, seeing you know what they need and continuing to fuel that encouragement, support, positivity, whatever it may be for that particular player. And um, again, cannot emphasize enough about focusing on that moment, that shot that is right there in front of them, not what happened on the last hole or what we have coming up, but what do we have right here, right now? And what are we going to do with this particular shot? Yeah, it's so exciting. It's got to be so challenging. Like you said, you can't be with everyone all at once. So to find a way to get from point A to point B, uh, certainly exciting. Coach, uh, we will let you go. We know that it's an exciting time coming up again. Uh, Coach Renee Sloan and the Atlanta women's golf team headed to San Antonio for the NCAA tournament coming up uh, beginning on Monday. And we look forward to big things as we watch you compete next week and in advance as well. Coach, thanks again. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Always good to talk to you. Thanks, Coach Renee Sloan. Again, formerly Renee Hyken, and some great uh, moments that she had as a player and now uh, passing those on with her team as coach of the Illini uh, women's golf team. This segment presented by Busey Bank. Again, we appreciate Busey's support, uh, building business, growing wealth since 1868. This is a sports spectacular powered by IlliniGuys.com along the Illini Guys radio network. At Busey Wealth Management, we're proud to partner with individuals, families, and foundations, ensuring possibilities become achievements. From preserving and enhancing your assets to securing your legacy for future generations, we're focused on your success. Busey Bank, building business, growing wealth since 1868. Proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini, member FDIC. Do you know someone with a drug or alcohol problem? Get help right now. Insurance may cover everything. Stop the drug and alcohol nightmare. Are drug and alcohol problems hitting you too close to home? Get help right now. Insurance may cover everything. 877-927-3380 That's 877-927-3380 Have you ever met a single person in your life that enjoys paying taxes? No, no one does. If you can't sleep at night because you have a huge problem with the IRS, I've got some free advice for you. This service is strictly limited to individuals that owe the IRS $10,000 or more in back taxes. And if you qualify, we can guarantee that you won't be writing a big fat check to the IRS or our services cost you nothing. The first 100 people that call today will get a free tax consultation worth $500. Stop worrying about your IRS problem. We can help you, we promise. Call the tax doctor right now. I mean right now to learn more. 800-626-4512. 800-626-4512. If you're a diabetic, we have great news. You can end the painful finger sticks with a new CGM. Plus, they may be covered by Medicare, Medicaid, or private insurance. If you test and inject daily, you may qualify. Call U.S. Med now to learn more. 800-390-5160-800-390-5160-800-390-5160. That's 800-390-5160. 
You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys Radio Network. Now, let's get back to the studio. Well, as we always like to step aside and talk about a few things that caught our eye this week, and one that was really, you read the headline, you go, oh, okay, and then you break it down, you go, really? Uh, the Big 12 making plans to play some games in Mexico beginning in 2024. And Brad, I think your eyebrows um, are... <laughs> So are, are, are the most twisted of, of, of all of ours. So I, I, I go back, Tom Hanks, remember in big when they're having the meeting and he says, he raised his hand. He goes, I, I don't get it. <laughs> this is me right now. I, I, I don't get it. Right. So, okay. Maybe there's a little bit of money involved, but you're going to sell tickets no matter where you're at. So I, I don't, I, I don't get it. Like why it's not like a, a, a league trying to, it's not like suddenly the Big 12 likes to be like, hey, let's be, you know, Viva La Mexico. I mean, I don't get it. It just makes sense to me. <laughs> well, look, Mexico has a long history of fantastic basketball. No, wait a minute. Um, yeah, I'm not certain what the thing is other than that that stadium in Mexico City can fit a lot of people, I guess, and you could get some revenue, but when you figure the travel costs and security costs, I'm not, I, I don't see the payoff here. And I don't know what the long-term play is unless you're looking for international students. But I thought typically that meant, you know, from other parts of the world that they're targeting a little harder. So I'm not certain. Well, maybe there's a, I don't know, U- university of Mexico, they want to, you know, expand later and include them. That's just got a big 13. Yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, I'm with you. Um, I guess they are looking for schools. So there you go. Exactly. <laughs> they do want to expand at some point, but I thought it would expand a little farther North uh, than this. So again, this was a CBS sports article. Our friend Dennis Dodd is always, it's just outstanding with this stuff. Um, you know, and says, Hey, maybe it's a thing of, again, uh, with the new commissioner trying to, um, you know, to try to expand um, what they're doing and expand the reach. But um, I'm with you guys. It does seem um, strange, uh, but we'll see where that goes. I guess, I guess, I don't know. Like it's a little bit, a little bit odd, but okay. okay well, we move on. Um, this was really strange too. Um, you wouldn't think of, of betting on college baseball to be an issue, but the, um, the guys that control all that have actually halted the bets on Alabama baseball, the crimson tide after some suspicious activity. This was strange. That is weird. You know, it is weird. I- and first of all, I don't understand why anybody bets on baseball anyway. <laughs> it's such a crazy. I mean, it's, it's called is, addiction, Brad. Yeah, they got issues. I mean, I there's a lot of sports I've bet on, but baseball is not one of them. I just it's such an odd thing to bet on. But anyway, yeah, I, this is weird. I you would think it'd be more like in the college football realm, or you know, Alabama college football. I I'd, I'd even pick Alabama softball perhaps over Alabama <laughs> baseball from a, like a popularity standpoint, and you know, but. Yeah, I don't know. It's really surprising to me to see this happen. But with all the stuff going on, with all the money that's in college athletics, and now we have NIL and we have people paying. This isn't far. This isn't far from being something that happens in a basketball, football situation uh, moving forward. It's well, kind of- and and I and not to be a you know the conspiracy theorist here, but this is the Ohio Casino Control Commission who may have influences with angry um, Ohio State football fans who just want to get back at Alabama football. For all we know, who knows what the connection here is. But it seems strange that, like, nobody heard anything from the Indiana 
casino control or the Illinois casino control. I'm so shocked it, they didn't blame Jim Harbaugh somehow. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, this story is one of those that you're like, okay, it's interesting, but who knows? <laughs> Yeah, I, I thought it was really strange. Um, hey, you know what? February, uh, we all were a part of history. Super Bowl 57, the most watched telecast ever, according to some updated data. Um, you know, they, they kind of adjusted some numbers. I, I'm not surprised. It was a great matchup. It was a competitive game. Uh, I'm not surprised at all. No, not at all. I, I, it doesn't surprise me that that was a highly watched game. And also, I, I think there's so many that they had to add in all the streaming stuff and all those types of things that are happening with this in these numbers. And you know, it's it's an event. It's a great event, and you know everybody watches. And and it, we had a competitive game, so I think you saw people maybe a little more interested in it. Look, there's a reason why the NFL rules television in the United States. It's because no matter what happens, we turn it on to watch the NFL. And this is just more proof that if you want the one thing that's tried and true in live television in this country, it's the NFL. Yeah. You know, somebody else that just uh, the NFL, everything it touches is gold. And uh, same for Snoop Dogg. Um, you know, I, I thought that Snoop and Martha Stewart were just the craziest combination ever. We may be testing that theory because Snoop has actually joined a group to buy an NHL team in Canada, the Ottawa Senators. Um, maybe they become the Ottawa Dogs with two G's. If this happens. <laughs> is it, it, isn't he bidding against Ryan Reynolds? A group led by Ryan yes, Reynolds, too. Yes. So it's like Snoop Dogg and Ryan Reynolds going going head to head. So that, that's kind of fun. You got, you know, whatever. Uh, what's his name? Uh, what's his? What's the character he plays? Deadpool. Deadpool and Snoop Dogg. Oh yeah. Let's yeah. go. Well, let's let's go one better than that because Snoop Dogg knocked out the Miz during WrestleMania. So maybe they'll get Ryan Reynolds and Snoop Dogg to go into the into the ring and settle their uh, score right there in front of everybody next year at WrestleMania 40 wrestling for ownership of the, <laughs> of the, of the senators and a haircut. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> just, I just, just in I, case I, Snoop, first off, Snoop is like, you know how old Snoop is? Just take a guess. Don't Google it. Take a wild Older. guess. I thought he's like 60, isn't he? Uh, there's one. Okay. Brad says 60. All right. I was going to say 56. No, no, you both, if price is right, you're out of the game. He's 51. Really? Oh. Only 51. He's younger he's, than us. He's lived a hard life. That's yeah. all I can say. He must have lived a hard life because he looks old. I'd, I'd like to live his checkbook, though. <laughs> sure. Sure. Yeah. Well, hey. well I, I, I met him once at the Ferrari dealership, but I, you know, that was it. I, I didn't get a chance know. to talk to him too much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know he's still mad at you because you bought his model Ferrari that he wanted. I know. I, I, oh, I thought sorry. Brad was filling the pop machine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He had just, bags of bags of chips and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. Mike's still upset about the cowboy jokes here in the commercial break. So yeah, but no, Snoop. <laughs> hey. No, no, the, the cowboy jokes is that's the organization. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. oh wow. I, I can't argue with it. I can't argue it's, with uh, it. Hey, nothing but love for Snoop. You know, you you do your thing. Snoop a loop. Snoop a loop. Yeah, and. um yeah, I mean, it's just I don't know. It's just what I, I think it's great. I think it's awesome. I, you know, when Snoop first came out, what thirty years ago, never saw this coming. Never saw that guy and said, you know what, folks, he's going to own an NHL team one day. That guy right there. Yeah, yeah. That 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 sentence probably wasn't said by too many people. <laughs> I have, it's right. It's said by nobody. <laughs> All right. Well, was... if there's ever an in, if there's ever an NHL owner, when I see one, that's him. Exactly. <laughs>
All right, much more to come after this. At Busey Bank, we understand you have a vision for your future, and we're committed to helping you achieve your dreams. Since 1868, we've invested in recruiting and retaining the best and brightest associates. Busey's unique culture is one that values and supports you, provides opportunities for growth, and it's much more than a job. It's a career. Build relationships, build community, and build your career at Busey Bank. Proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini. Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the Health Insurance Helpline can help you get it. 800-448-0828-800-448-0828-800-448-0828-800-448-0828. That's 800-448-0828. Right back here as we were talking a little NFL draft uh, earlier and, of course, last week uh, getting into really dissecting the first round. Um, One thing we thought would be kind of neat is to talk to somebody who, you know, is really, you know, knows the inside game and kind of what happens really before and especially after the draft, now that teams kind of know or players know who they're going and teams know who they have coming in. Paul Aloisi is an attorney based in Florida. He's also an NFL agent and uh, very active. You can uh, check him out on Twitter. Uh, P-A-L. Is it? I'm sorry. A-I-S-E-4-6. Paul, is that right? Uh a L O I S E 46 P L O 46. We'll do that. We'll do that again. P A L O I S E 46. Can't read my own handwriting. Uh, Hey Paul, thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Um, Let's start with first off, how many, uh, how many guys did you uh, have in this year's class that uh, signed with NFL teams? Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for having me. Uh, So this year we had uh, five total guys that myself and another agent, uh, Tanner Simpkins were co-representing. And we ultimately got uh, one of them a contract with the L.A. Chargers, Pokey Wilson. And then we had two additional uh, guys that we were representing, Jamal Woods from Illinois, we got a rookie mini camp invite uh, with the Indianapolis Colts. And then we also got a rookie mini camp invite from the Tennessee Titans uh, for Jaleel Billingsley, a tight end who used to play at Alabama and then transferred to Texas for his last year. So. You know, we're very excited about all those guys getting their opportunities. And uh, we have two other guys that honestly, especially one of them, you know, really, really had a great pro day. Uh, Rashawn Yates from USF uh, plays D-tackle DN. You know, he is somebody that I'm hoping still gets a shot. We're still, you know, working the phones, working the emails, working the texts uh, and been speaking with some USFL teams as well. And then uh, Adrian Hope, uh, linebacker, who uh, finished up at Coastal Carolina, was at Furman prior to that. And, you know, he's somebody as well that had a great college career. And, you know, we've been speaking with USFL teams and he's going to some CFL workouts this upcoming weekend. Interesting. Uh, the one thing I've always wondered, and you've got a, we have a connection, obviously. We, we knew um, Jamal Woods from his time at Illinois, right? You know, and, uh, right. and then we also, Julio Billingsley from also another guy from, you know, this, this you know, the Illinois neck of the woods. But I, I was wondering, is it crazier during the draft or is it like when, Right after the draft's over, everybody's trying to be an undrafted free agent and find the right fit. How hard is it to find, or how important is it and difficult is it to find the right fit for your guys as opposed to just taking the first team that calls? It really is difficult. And and, and the reason I, I say that, and I really try to express to my clients 
early on in the process, like really when I'm signing them about, especially if there's somebody that I have an idea already, uh, cause I've, you know, I just finished my fifth draft class. So I'm not saying I've been in it for a ton of years, but you know, I've, I've seen the ins and outs these last five years and also seen a lot of, you know, my cohorts that are agents as well, kind of deal with this process. And I try and tell guys nonstop because everyone wants to be drafted. And I get that, right. You know, I played college football at Florida state. I play with a bunch of guys that got drafted, but I also play with a bunch of guys that did not get drafted and who were still able to have successful NFL careers. So I really try and speak with them early on about, Hey, you know, it'd be great if you get drafted late, but nonetheless, based on my conversations with teams, you know, you're looking like at least a priority free agent. So let's track these teams. Let's track who's on their roster come year end. And then most importantly, track those first couple of days of the draft to see kind of how that roster is shaking out because these players at the end of the day, what I tell them all the time, especially because I work as an attorney, you know, I'm not trying to pay my rent off of, your your deal right so i i don't want to just take the first deal that comes through the door i truly want to put them in the best position to make that 53 man roster to change them and their family's life right so it, it's very it's very hard though because I've, I've heard horror stories right you know one one team offers and the guys think they can get a deal done somewhere else and then that team moves on and then that player is stuck without a team so it is you know having those tough conversations with the family and then trying to give my expert opinion, or, you know, at least my, my, my educated opinion, right. To these, to these players and their families about what they should do. And then ultimately I got to tell them just like in the legal world, you know, I can advise you, but it's, it's you and your family's choice. So I'm going to, you know, champion your decision either which way. You know, we've seen some crazy decisions by college players, you know, to go pro, not go pro many times fueled by their, their inner circle around them. How the heck do you deal with that? Because I would assume it's the same minefield for you that it is for a college basketball or football coach. Definitely. I agree. And I don't think it, it's ever gets it any easier, right? In that sense, because you're always going to have different people with different circles or families around them. So I truly think it is one that if you're really trying to help the player to me, you got to understand those dynamics and figure out, okay, is this person might have been in your life for the longest, but are they truly out for your best interest? And then, okay, this this friend of yours, you know, actually has, you know, some great business sense. And maybe he's someone we want to keep in the mix. And that's something I've always been open to, right? So I've had players come to me uh, who are referred to me maybe by a friend who used to play football and that knows of me and knows of my work. And I'll say, hey, man, if, if they want to stay on as as your manager or as, you know, do your marketing – I have no objection to that. You know, at the end of the day, I want the player and their family to feel comfortable about who they're working with. And oftentimes having someone that they have a long tenured relationship with does help, you know, my ability to represent them. But I, I, unfortunately, I've seen that not be the case sometimes, too. So I, I think my legal background and, and having worked with clients and their families for, you know, truly life or death situations, right? Or like truly the ability to whether or not they're going to be sentenced to, you know, 10, 15 plus years in prison. I think that for me has always made it easier because I've had to have those tough conversations about, you know, I'm not saying football is not important, but for, for really like life-changing decisions. So for me, it's something I've always been comfortable with. And I come from, a, a, you know, I'm Italian. I come from a strong, close-knit Italian family. So I know how important mom and dad is, right? And so whoever those decision makers are in that, in that athlete's family, I, I want to have an open line of communication with them and see how I can best serve everyone 
And then there's been times where I've told athletes like, Hey, I'll be the bad guy. I know you don't want to say no to this friend or this family member for, you know, whether it's a loan or a business idea or whatever it might be. And I say, Hey, put it on me. I'll be the bad guy. I'll tell them no, not right now. Or I'll take a look at it and potentially pass it off to, you know, one of these NFLPA financial certified advisors who can look at it as well. And at least try to put the right people in place um, for these individuals to talk to. So you were saying, as we're talking here to uh, Paul Aloise, NFL agent uh, based in Florida, it has uh, five guys here in this uh, current class that just uh, uh, did contracts. What's the biggest change you've seen in your five years doing this? Or even if you go back to your playing days and as you had guys uh, leaving college and going to the NFL, um, the money is staggering right now. And and it's it, it just gets bigger with all the TV contracts. It gets bigger and the, uh, the stakes are larger. What's What's the biggest change you've seen in the time that you've been involved in this part of the game? I'd say NIL, right? I mean, the ability for college athletes to be making money now is on one hand, a great thing. It's something that, you know, my, my majors in undergrad were, were criminology and sport management, right? So it was something in the sport management world that we talked about when I was in college. Um, and so it's been something that it's been discussed for a long time. And then even in law school, it's like a sports law class. And, you know, you talk about some of the antitrust stuff, right? Going back to Maurice Claret and how he tried to buck the system a little bit. And to me, it's something that I think is great for these athletes. But what I've seen from these athletes, both, you know, positive and negative, is when they're coming out, some of them are still focused on these smaller NIL deals and these marketing deals. And I think Dion talked about it one time. He was like, you know, if you handle your business on the field, the money's going to come. And, you know, there absolutely are these top, top notch athletes that are getting life-changing deals in college but to me those athletes are few and far between they might be the ones that we hear about the most on sports center but at the end of the day there are so many athletes that just aren't going to have those types of income coming into them in college let alone right when they leave college and so i think the biggest thing that's changed is just trying to get these these athletes these young men to understand like hey i wasn't i was in your shoes not that long ago I wasn't at the level you were, but let me just talk to you separate from football about some of those business decisions, right? Those family, those life decisions that you need to be making these next few months. And what I really try to impart on them is really focus these next few months on training, you know, really working on your interview skills and ensuring that you don't just make it to the NFL, you actually make a career out of the NFL and trying to impart on them not to chase those short-term monies is because I think with NIL, a lot of that, it's just easy, right? It's fast, it's quick money, but it's like, hey, if you really do what you need to do, work hard day in and day out and treat this, not just as a college sport that you're good at, but a full-time job, you're going to make way more money on the field than really you ever can off the field. So I, I got to ask, you mentioned NIL. So you, anytime somebody says NIL, I got to get their opinion on it. I'm a big NIL fan, like in, in in some respects. Like I like that kids are finally getting some value um, for what they've done and what they're putting into it. But is the current model of basically spring free agency for football and basketball, is that a, is it sustainable long-term? I don't think it's sustainable. And I like how you asked that question because I agree. I, I, overall, I like it. I actually worked with FSU College of Law to create a course uh, about NIL, NCAA, and sports agency, just because it was something I was very interested in. It was something I was working in. You know, uh, I the first year NIL became active, I stayed out of it just because I was like, all right, let me see how this plays out. 
and especially looking at it from like the legal side, being a lawyer too, just makes me look at it a little bit differently about some of the pitfalls, right? We're always worried about liability. And then last year I jumped into the, the arena myself representing Pokey Wilson from Florida state for NIL, who I now represent with the chargers. And I think it's fantastic, but I, I agree. I just don't think the current setup is going to be sustainable for really probably two main reasons. One, I just think that each state, and yes, the, the states are getting a little bit more in line with their rules, and they're not that different, but every state having their own ability to make their own laws, I just think creates a lot of issues because you have one athlete in one state that might be able to get NIL deals in high school. Now go into a new state for college that has different NIL laws, right? And so I just think it presents some opportunities for players to get caught up in situations that they really weren't intending themselves to. And I also think it kind of goes back to what we were just talking about before. It, to me, it kind of makes them maybe choose a school that they otherwise wouldn't have gone to, but this NIL deal was great, but maybe there was another opportunity for them to get on the field and play in a better system that would have long-term helped them make more money as a professional athlete. So I think having one governing body would help tremendously, Uh but I know the school, at least in my experience, you know, I've worked with Florida State's, you know, uh, administration, you know, on this stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I love what they're doing from a compliance standpoint. Um, so I think it's also a university by university thing where I think some schools are doing it fantastic, fantastically. And I think that, you know, we've heard some of the horror stories about some of these other universities. And I think that's what's tough, too, is, you know, with now having a central governing body, it's really hard to see and, and provide the proper oversight, in my opinion, to ensure that all the universities and all the athletes are really being given the same opportunity. The Seeing the NCAA's stellar track record of losing in court, <laughs> um, they seem hesitant to step in. Do you see a system in the future where maybe the individual conferences kind of take control of, of their turf and maybe it looks a little bit more like European soccer where we have you know, some little variations. I mean, I, or, or do you see something totally different on the horizon? No, I, I, I like, that's a good comparison. Even in our sports law class, they, they talk about, you know, the European soccer and how that business model is so different from a lot of the American sports. Right. So, um, you know, especially, like you said, especially like when I was preparing that, that class that I, that I was teaching, they, yes, I, over the last 10 years, specifically you know the ncaa has not done well in litigation but historically speaking they were very successful right so i think i think that change in dynamic has changed their opinion on it but i i also feel like it's it's almost like in the court of public opinion right it's just like for so long so many people wanted this to happen that it was just a matter of time before different judges and different people got on the bench and in the judicial system who that who were going to have a different view on this so I, I personally kind of like the conference idea uh, because it kind of then turns almost into like each conference, it's its own professional league in a way that can then get deals holistically for the teams in that conference and maybe help out a player that was like me, right? I was a backup. I wasn't getting on the field much. I wasn't going to have a lot of NIL appeal, but maybe it provides those backups some guaranteed income because they are working just as hard as anybody else. But then it also allows, so to me that, that, you know, presents some equality and some fairness in it, which I think is important for long-term sustainability. And I, I also think then too, there's less confusion about, you know, each school, you know, a school might be, have a deal with Nike and then maybe Adidas wants to work with that athlete, but now they can't because there's a conflict 
with the school sponsorship and the athlete sponsorship. So I think, you know, a bigger governing body kind of helps prevent some of those pitfalls as well. Um, I'm curious, what is it like uh, when you get into this? How hard was it to get that first client and and then the second client and then the third client? I mean, that's kind of part one. And then the other thing, too, is in terms of what kind of hours do you put in? I mean, I know everyone has the Jerry Maguire. Hey, it's a school. Lee Steinberg, you walk it in, hold your <laughs> one knows your name. You know, it's great. You know, babes love you. But I mean, it's, you know, there's a lot. There's a ton of work that goes behind the scenes. Kind of take us behind the curtain and, and talk a bit about that, about you getting started and, and how things are going with, in that regard. Absolutely. So I, I would say getting started, it was very difficult to get that first client. And because of the fact that I started my own agency, right? Maybe if I was at a big time agency that had a track record, it would have been a little bit different. But for me, when I got done playing, uh, my last game was against Auburn, the national championship game in 20, you know, January 6, 2014. That fall, I started law school. So to take the NFLPA agent exam, you have to have either a master's degree or a law degree. So at that time, because I chose law school, it took, you know, you have to do at least two and a half to three years before you can finish up law school. And so in law school, I started my agency, Renegade Sports and Entertainment. And at first it was just doing marketing, you know, autograph signings, public appearances, things of that nature for my former teammates from Florida State who were now in the NFL. Because, again, this was before NIL. So, you know, I, I had friends that were with the Cleveland Browns and the Buffalo Bills, Jacoby McDaniel and Carlos Williams, who really gave me my first opportunity to work with professional athletes. And then once I got out and passed the agent exam, um, you know, my first client was uh, Devontae Jackson. You know, he was a D2 running back uh, from West Georgia who set, you know, every school record and really was a dynamic player. And had a big social media following. So when I saw those two things, I was like, okay, this is the type of client that, you know, maybe isn't being pursued by Drew, you know, the Drew Rosenhaus, the CAAs in the industry that I might have a better opportunity to actually land as a client. And, you know, meeting with him was still, you know, him, his family, his coaching staff, you know, they asked me a lot of questions and it, it really came down to me presenting okay, I've done this work for professional athletes here in the marketing realm, and I've done this work as a lawyer. So though it's my first year doing this, I, I truly believe I have the skill sets and the abilities because of my two career paths to be able to effectively represent you. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to you know, get him signed as a priority free agent with the Denver Broncos that year. And that really opened the doors for me because, again, he had a big social media following. He was someone that had, you know, some great highlights. And then um, shortly after signing him to the Broncos, uh, one of his teammates, Malik Henry, who I still represent to this day, and not the one from last chance you in Florida State, but uh, Malik Henry, who's up <laughs> with uh, the Calgary Stampeders right now, is an all-star last year, uh, and he played for the Colts, Saints, and 49ers in the NFL. He, right, you know, he signed his uh, contract with the 49ers, and then a few weeks later, uh, fired his then agent and, and signed with me, just because he kind of saw some of the work I was doing off the field with marketing deals uh, for his teammates. So. Very quickly, you know, my, my hard work for Devante paid off in me getting a second NFL client. So going into that preseason in fall of 2019, I had two guys on NFL rosters. And so for me, that was, you know, I, I always say luck favors those who prepare, right? So, you know, I do think I was extremely lucky to, for I think the chips to fall the way that they did. But I do think it was because of the hard work I was putting in. And when you're starting out and you only have a couple guys, 
though I was still, I was working as a prosecutor at that time uh, in Tallahassee, Florida. So, you know, I had time on nights and weekends to really, and I was going home, you know, on my lunch breaks from the state attorney's office to send out emails, right, to NFL teams and to try to get them into bowl games and stuff like that. So I started off small in the sense of making sure I could properly manage and, and, and reach out to the teams on behalf of these two clients that I had signed. And then I got Malik. And so I was able to I, I think I was able to have that early success because I didn't go crazy and try to sign six or seven guys. I was able to really narrow my focus. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's still hard, you know, I, though now I can sit there and, and show them more of the athletes I've worked with and the contracts I've done. You know, you just have so many agents out there and you have these big time agencies that are able to, you know, offer things that I just can't, at, at, you know, being a smaller agency. So I try to make up, you know, cause you guys know this, you know, as an agent, our job is to help, you know, fund their training, their housing, their nutrition during that time period when the college football season ends and they're getting ready for the NFL. And that stuff can add up. And, you know, a lot of these agencies offer big marketing advances to these athletes. Right. So I try and offer things that, in my opinion, are more beneficial to the athlete outside of just finances, which sometimes it's legal help, right? Sometimes it's the ability that they know out of anyone, they can get a hold of me, right? They're not going to get a secretary. That close-knit family relationship that I was talking about earlier, like those are things I try and present the athlete with. And I've been able to show them, hey, you know, the, the these number of clients of mine used to have other agents and they fired them and signed with me, you know, for a reason. And, you know, I'm not saying that you got to do the same, but Take a look at my work. Please call my clients, call my clients' families, especially a couple of my clients' moms have always gone to bat for me. So it's tough. But, um, you know, I think that uh, my, I think my playing background helped a lot, too. Right. I mean, I, I was I'm able to discuss football at a level with these guys that I don't think every agent can. And then I also think my legal experience gives me a different uh, approach to this that a lot of other agents don't have. And. I just think in closing too, I'm 30 years old right now. I've been practicing law for six years. Um, so again, I, I've, you know, it's starting, we're getting our 10 year anniversary this year for the national championship team. It doesn't feel like that long ago, but I still feel like I was just in their shoes, right? I was just waking up at 6 a.m. to do these workouts and, and go to practice. So I think that just, there's a bond there that I'm able to connect with these athletes on. And I really try to do everything I can for them. There's a guy whose career paralleled yours years ago. He was a star athlete out of high school, um, went and played for uh, behind some guys who became very well known, went on to major NBA careers, went into uh, went to law school, became an agent. And currently now he's uh, runs the Lakers and Rob Polinka. I mean, your your careers are parallel, just like 30 <laughs> years apart. So, uh, Paul Aloisi, man, great to talk with you. We hope that you'll come on the show again. Uh, again, Paul Aloisi, NFL agent. Um, Twitter is, I'm going to get it right, P-A-L-O-I-S-E 46, or find any of us, and uh, we'll be following as well. Just check our our follows. Paul, great to spend time with you. Thanks so much, and, and let's let's talk again soon. Uh, I'd love to be back. Thank you guys so much. All right, appreciate it. And I'm not going to say – Show me the money. I'm not going to do it. I'm not, I'm not going to do it. I was waiting. I wanted to hear a great show me the money. Get some quan. I don't know. Yeah, some yeah. kind of. We got it. We'll, we'll see that for next time. We'll get into some of the some of the good stories. Well, at least at least Paul hasn't went big time like Brad. Because if Larry and I try to call Brad, we get his secretary. We can't even get him live. <laughs> Terrible. That's right. Terrible. That's right. That's what I deal with. Right. Stay with us. Much more to come. Keep it here. You're tuned in to the Sports Spectacular on the Illini Guys Radio Network. 
You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys Radio Network. Now, let's get back to the studio. Hour number two here on the Sports Spectacular, Larry Smith, Brad Sturdy, Mike Kegley, joined by Matt Stevens of IlliniGuys.com. He is the outstanding football writer and analyst for the website. By the way, a free seven-day trial if you want to check out his stuff. Uh, we'll let you do it for free, and then we'll ding you a couple dollars. But it's okay. You spend more on, like, Starbucks at a weekend. So NFL draft is, is all done. Not just the guys drafted, um, but a lot of guys getting a lot of attention, uh, Matt. Four draftees and six uh, guys signing. Overall, uh, give us your thoughts on this draft as it pertains to the Illini. Most successful draft in over a decade, Larry. I think there's there's the idea that um, when you have four guys that are drafted uh, you know, within first five rounds, um, there have been days where Illinois hasn't had anybody drafted. And we've been waiting until, you know, the draft is over to talk about UDFAs, um, if, if there was any there. But you're talking about the most draft picks since 2013, maybe the most successful draft since 2013, or maybe even Josh Whitman's year of uh, graduation year of 20, 2003 of when Illinois has been this successful. And then immediately, Larry, when the draft gets over with, and I, I don't want to keep, I don't want to glance over the guys that got drafted or got signed, but now then you start talking about the 2024 draft and we could be doing this thing all over again, again, in the first round and then having some guys in the, in the mid to late rounds get drafted again. So you're starting to see the talent come to the forefront of, of this Brett Bielema uh, program. And, and it shouldn't come as any surprise what happened on draft day and, and what NFL teams are starting to notice when they, when they come to Champaign, when you have 32 teams and, and I think it was, over 25 teams come for Devin Witherspoon's private pro day. Um, something special is happening in Champaign, and, and NFL teams are starting to notice. Three defensive backs drafted there. What does that say about this? Is this DBU now when we look at this? And obviously they've already got the guys in the NFL, whether it's uh, you know from, from previous years, guys like Nate Hobbs or um, you know, it, it, over and over you've seen this defensive back you. Yeah, I think it started actually last year with Kirby Joseph and then having him have a rookie campaign that, you know, allowed him to make the Pro Bowl. Um, and then, you know, you start seeing the guys that were going to come into this, you know, DB class at Illinois, have them go to the combine, do exactly what they did at the combine, have Devin Witherspoon do exactly what he did at his pro day, his private pro day. And you started to realize that three of all three of those defensive backs were probably going to go within the first hundred picks. And that's never happened at Illinois. And what I think is interesting, Brad, is like what I just said before, is that, yeah, this was DB year for Illinois. I don't know if it's DBU yet, but it's DB year. Mm-hmm. And I think the I think the opposite effect could happen next year in the 2024 draft when you start seeing a whole bunch of guys up front get drafted because you're going to see guys like Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph and, um, you know, some outside backers potentially get some get some praise um, in the NFL draft. And I think it could be a situation where, you know, Illinois strength next year is obviously going to be up front. Well, that's what you're going to names your names you're going to hear in the 2024 draft. But the 2023 draft was always going to be dominated by the DBs when you're talking about Illinois because of what Illinois was able to do back there. And it allowed them to do so many different things and allow them to have the number one ranked defense in the country in, in 2022. So when you look at the four guys who were drafted, any one of them stand out as maybe having the quote best situation to walk into in your eyes? Sydney Brown. And, and I know it sounds really cliche-ish, and Mike, you're not going to want to hear this as a Cowboys fan, but the Eagles Larry, had can a really... Larry, cut, can you cut his microphone? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm getting cut here. The Eagles had a really good draft, and, and they they played in a game that we like to call the Super Bowl, and 
they still have some guys that they need to reshuffle because they lost some guys in the free agency. And I do think Sidney Brown can make an impact. He can not only make an impact with his versatility at that safety position, but I think he can play up in the box. Um, I had I, I had a lot of people say all he's got to do is put a black visor, a dark tinted visor on, and he's the second coming of Brian Dawkins and what they're seeing on tape. So they they feel very, very highly, uh, you know, feel really good about what they got there. I think they've got a four-year starter that they think that could plug and play right away into their active roster as a rookie. I think he's going to really impress those guys um, in rookie minicamp. And obviously, I think Devin Witherspoon is is somebody that they can – that the Seattle doesn't draft DBs this high. They don't draft corners this high as a franchise. And their GM and, and Pete Carroll, their head coach, they just don't believe in doing it. That's how good of an athlete and how good of a player Devin Witherspoon was on their board. So I, I have to believe that they have slotted him in at corner to start for a team that made the playoffs last year. So those would be the two um, that I think. But I also think, you know, Quan Martin has a chance to make an impact at Washington. I, I, I It sounds like a cliche, but I, I really like all three of their situations because of they not only drafted best available player probably on their board, but they have a need at the position. Quan Martin fits in at nickel at nickel corner perfectly in the NFL. That's something that Washington needed as well. So all three of them worked out well, but I do think you're going to see Sidney Brown um, emerge in the same way that Kirby Joseph emerged last year with Detroit because there was a need there, and then obviously the athletic ability and his ability as a player can shine through. Tell you what, we're going to have to pause here in the commercial to get uh, Mike patched up because Matt just went to town on him. Eagles. This thing we call the we like to call the Super Bowl. Somehow, um, I think there was some sort of error there because a lot of that didn't make sense. Yeah, it didn't. Yeah, it just didn't. Well, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know you had to go Google Super Bowl. I realize that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've, I've heard of that. Yeah, it's this thing. I don't know cereal. It's I don't a know. thing that the Cowboys never do. <laughs> exactly. It's uh, the Cowboys are the best parties. Uh, they're always at home on Super yes. Bowl. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, let's very quickly want to get to this. Um, another player too, I thought in a great situation, um, was, was chase Brown, you know, running backs today, as you know, they're devalued. Uh, they don't go high. Uh, but with uh, Gio Bernard retiring after, you know, what a decade in the league, there's a spot there for him to come in, come in and, um, and get some tick right away in Cincinnati. You know, you're right, Larry. And I, I think from a contract standpoint, obviously you're, you're going to want to watch June 1st, because if, if the if the Bengals cut Joe Mixon by June 1st, they save ten and a half million dollars in cap in cap money. And if they do that, it's because they think Chase Brown can be a starter right away for them. And it's happened before in this league all the time. You see it all the time. And, and Chase Brown has the ability and has the tape and has has the just overall maturity, I think, to handle that right away. And um, even if they keep Joe Mixon in the fold, right? I, I think that they knew that they needed a second back. They knew they needed somebody who was maybe a third down possibility to start his career with and somebody that can help on special teams. Because if you remember when Chase, you know, transferred in from Western Michigan, the first thing he did, even before he probably got on the practice field, was Levy putting back kick, returning kicks. So he can do that too. And so I do think that the Bengals took somebody that they feel like from a running back standpoint has a lot of versatility. And I do think that quietly they're then they're in their building. They're thinking that they have the running back of the future potentially in the fourth, in the fifth round that they drafted. And, and it's, it's, it's not, it's not like it hasn't happened before. And then there's a reason why chase was a dope Walker finalist and, and, you know, a big 10 all in all big 10 first team running back. So I think that there's a, there's a potential there for chase to make an impact as a rookie. So real quick, Matt, I just, yeah. one other thing. Who's the guy next year? 
We we know who's the surprise guy next year in the draft that we're going to see from Illinois. You know, I think obviously the 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 Devin Witherspoon of the draft is going to be Johnny Newton, and we all know it. You've already seen mocks way way too early mocks in 2024 of him being potentially in the top 10, top 15. I don't see him doing anything but you know, short of an injury, like having his stock um, rise. I think Tyreek Barnes has a chance to make an impact. I think middle linebacker is something that doesn't get drafted as high anymore, kind of like running back on the offensive side. But Tyreek Barnes has proven himself over and over and over again as somebody that can not only run sideline to sideline, but can also be a leader on in the middle of a defense. I think he's somebody that I think your stock's going to, you're going to see his stock rise as the season goes on. And when people start to look at the front seven of Illinois, they're going to notice the guy in the middle in the second level of that defense. And Tyreek Barnes has held that spot for three, for what will be three years by that point. And I think he's going to, he's going to have a lot of tape to show NFL guys what he can do. And just exciting, as you mentioned, to uh, see Illinois come up on the board in the first round, but even throughout the draft to have them, uh, the players are recognized uh, for what they did in college. Hey, Matt Stevens, we appreciate the knowledge. We'll talk to you soon. Not a problem. Have a good one, guys. All right. Matt Stevens, Illini guys, football writer and analyst uh, here on the Sports Spectacular Powered by IlliniGuys.com. Up next, Brant's journey with uh, a little tidbit from his 30 for 30. Uh, talking to Brandon Simberg, uh, one of the top young reporters, someone whose work we've really enjoyed uh, for a long time now. He joins Sturdy uh, up next on the Sports Spectacular. A tradition of excellence over 150 years in the making. At Busey Bank, we're committed to building relationships that span generations. Wherever your journey in life leads you, we are with you along the way, creating a legacy for you and your family. UC Bank, building business, growing wealth since 1868. Proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini. Member FDIC. If you served in the Marine Corps, by now you know about the contaminated water problem at Camp Lejeune. If you were stationed or worked at Camp Lejeune from 1953 to 1987, you probably have a lot of questions. We have some answers. You could be entitled to compensation. Billions of dollars are being allocated to pay for damages to anyone stationed at Camp Lejeune during that time. Unfortunately, it appears that officials may have known the contaminated water problem existed and did little to protect their men. The Semper Fi Code was not honored. If you or someone in your family has developed a serious illness, including various forms of cancer, call this Camp Lejeune legal support line right now. You can't turn back the clock and change what happened, but you can certainly call right now and learn your rights as a Marine. Here's the number. Call 800-254-3218. 800-254-3218. That's 800-254-3218. Paid for by Legal Alert Line. Sports Spectacular rolls right along here in this first weekend in May. Larry Smith, uh, Mike Hegley, and Brad Sturdy here. Um, you know, Sturdy caught up on his 30 for 30 podcast earlier this week with Brandon Simberg, um, young guy, a former uh, Illinois student who is uh, really kind of making his way in the world as a scout. In fact, he, he told Brad on the podcast that he's actually seen more college basketball games this past season than any team played i mean that's how much he was in the gym he's been out and about to uh, looking at some uh prospects in the aau uh uh, uh out in the aau tournaments uh here this spring and uh, he talked with brad about that on the podcast let's listen in the nba this year they've added a third two-way spot to the roster so i think there's a little bit more of an emphasis of you know guys outside the top 60 80 giving them a look for you know two-way spots on the roster it's a good chance for seniors to kind of prove themselves uh one guy in particular that i thought really helped himself was 
Missouri's Demoy Hodge, who I mean, I feel like he had a good game against Illinois. I don't have the the box score pull up in front of me, but it, it seems like everyone in Missouri played well that night. <laughs> they all had a good game. In that, <laughs> I don't need to double game. check that. Um, but you know, guys like Demoy Hodge from Missouri had a really good night. Serge Barry Rice from Texas, a uh, his sixth year senior, was playing in a low major before Texas went to the Longhorns, was a pretty integral part of their tournament run and their success this season. He won MVP. He had a big weekend. Uh, one time, Illini target Tiger Campbell was there, and he you know, did pretty well for himself despite his size. He was one of the better point guards in the event. So Portsmouth two weeks ago was a lot of fun. And then I was, and then I saw uh, Nike UIBL session one a few weekends back in Atlanta or the Georgia area. Ran into Illini coaches, Tim Anderson, uh, Chester Frazier while I was out there. But that for me, that was really good to see a range of high school guys. You know, I saw like the Boozer twins and Cooper flag, but, you know, kept a close eye on like mean streets as well. Um, that Trey McKinney kid in 2025. He's the real deal, man. That kid He's is good. really good. A lot of talent. Um, a lot of coaches in to see him. I saw a line. I commit Merez Johnson. And, you know, what I thought was interesting about watching him and, former Illini target, now UNC commit James Brown, is that those two are kind of play, playing on their own teams now. They're not both on mean streets. So to kind of see them play without each other, I thought was good because I think it helped them both a little bit, kind of took away from some of the spacing issues where Merez is really playing as the only, as the, like the, he was the only kind of interior player and the spacing around him was good. His athleticism looked good. I thought his free throw, his mechanics looked better. Didn't hit a lot of jump shots, but it looks better. And so I thought Merez looked a lot better at EYBL two weeks ago. Yeah, it's funny. Um, big guys in AAU do not get the ball, though. You know, it's like a, you know, it's a different world. Like people think, well, you know, it's like when Illinois had Kofi and they just throw it in the post. No, it doesn't work that way in AAU. It's like it, occasionally you get a tip dunk <laughs> or a pick and roll. And that's it. That's the only chance you have to get it if you're a big guy. So um, not a lot of touches from Rez. But, yeah, I, I thought he looked good. I thought he did a good job of, you know, he he's really good. The one thing about him is he's probably – he's 6'9", maybe 6'10", according to talking to him. Um, he's grown a little bit. And he, he's able to move his feet out on the perimeter too. So when they switch and he, they, he hedges the balls, it won't be like when they're playing – you know, if he's a 5, which is where they project him being more of a – in college as a 5, and mm-hmm. he, he can switch that ball screen or hard hedge or, you know, do those things that you don't have to be like a drop coverage all the time. Like you do with did with Dane or Kofi. So I I think that's intriguing for him. Yeah. I really like Yeah, First, when I saw him a few years ago, I was like, can you kind of turn him into a big wing, a big three, four, but I think playing at the five would probably suit him best, especially because again, he's not the best outside shooter, but if he's playing at the five, then you can kind of surround him with four guys that are shooters and yeah, his ability to roll, finish through contact and he's he's already really strong like he's yeah, he is. one of the strongest phys, you know physical guys out there so i think him transitioning to the five which again playing away from james who's also a five allows him to do that so i'm excited to kind of see him grow into that five-man role for mean streets this year and then for Santa rita next year because james has transferred to link academy i believe in missouri yeah yes and then and then uh melvin bell going to la lumiere um, so it seems like every, yeah, I, I, from what I understand, there's going to be a bunch of kids leaving the state of Illinois over the next few weeks, you know, transferring out to these prep schools. And it seems to be the common theme now. Uh, but I think there's some kids transferring in too. So it's college basketball also has its transfer port or high school basketball also has its transfer portal in full effect uh, right now. We were, we were talking before the show, 
speaking of the transfer portal, we were talking before the show. It's like, here we are talking about college basketball. And in the past, we'd be thinking, hey, we got one spot to fill. Can we find a guy late, you know, a late signee? And now it's it's the portal. And it, college basketball has become a year-round thing now as opposed to, you know, fall visits and getting those commitments then and, you know, the spring AAU season. The spring AAU season was almost like, eh, it was okay, but the portal's more exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Like, if you're listening to this podcast, if you're a 30 for 30 fan, you're probably a diehard Illinois basketball, college basketball fan. And so I would assume you're pro transfer portal because, yeah, here we are on May 1st and there's things to talk about. Like, Hunter Dickinson should be committing this week if he hasn't already by the time you're listening to this. Hunter Dickinson is one of the best big men in college basketball, whether you like him or not. Like, incredibly productive player. And he still hasn't decided where he's going to play at. It's just, it's kind of content all offseason. It gives you a lot to think about. And there's just a lot of creative ways to build a team now. You're not stuck into this, ah, well, this is how we wanted to play two years ago, and these this was our plan. We have to stick to it. These coaches now, every year, you have to adjust and kind of build a, a team on the fly. Not on the fly necessarily, but you got to think quickly as to how do I really want to play next year? How did it work last year and make adjustments? And so I think you know roster building now more than ever is at a premium. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think you see that teams are saying, you know, I got a, if you have a guy like a, let's say a Hunter Dickinson or a Kofi Coburn, you're going to play a certain way. But then when you have guys like, but you know, if you have a dynamic guard, you're going to play a different way. And so then you find guys to fill around that guy, like Illinois with Kofi, you saw what they did was they wanted to surround him with a bunch of guys who could shoot, you know, with Jacob Grandison. Jake Grandison was a great fit at Illinois when you had Kofi Coburn inside. So there are those types of things that 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 go and and how they fit is 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 part of this and that roster building is key and so let's let's change gears now let's talk about roster building let's talk about the University of Illinois obviously Illinois adds added some guys some guys I'm sure you've had a chance to watch what what are your thoughts on their transfer portal additions you know um, from SIU from Utah Valley you know etc uh, the the guys that they've added in the portal. Yeah, I'll, so I'll start with Quincy Garrier or Garrier, uh, just because he's probably the guy I've seen most playing on two Oregon teams that had some NBA prospects and even dating back to his days at Syracuse. And I saw, so I saw Oregon live last year in November and they just, they were kind of a mess. They were really banged up at the time. But you, you talk about roster building and I, I liked Dan Altman. I think he's a good coach. He did a, a really bad job, if I'm being honest, with, the roster last year, they had a bunch of fives and fours and tried to go for this like jumbo team thing, which kind of forced Quincy to play on the perimeter and play the three a little bit more than he'd want to. But if you go back to his Syracuse film, when he was playing at the four, which I think suits him better, he looked a lot better. So I think, like you know, Quincy last year maybe didn't have the statistical leap or he didn't grow as much as you might have hoped. But I think a lot of that was their weird team fit. And I think when it comes to Illinois, I think they'll ask him to play more for maybe even some five at time. And despite, I mean, he's like six, seven, six, eight. Um, he's an incredibly strong guy. He's physical. He actually does a lot of the traditional kind of post, like post player things that you'd want. He rebounds well. He can absorb contact on defense. So I think moving him to the four and maybe the five will help him. And, you know, we talk about coaches in roster building, but players also have to go to places that like actually makes sense for them. And I think after the year he had at Oregon, that makes sense for him. Yeah, Quincy, you mentioned his days at Syracuse. I was talking to Brad Underwood's uh, 
you know, you know, uh, and and what he thought was that he could get the Quincy, Quincy from Syracuse, but then he's expanded his game a little bit. So now you have more of a stretch. You could guy who can also play a stretch four, so he can space the floor a little bit more than he did at Syracuse. So now you got to maybe the best of both worlds. If you can get the guy, the interior guy at Syracuse with a jump shooter, you got at Oregon and you got a really special guy. Then you got a guy who could really be good in a complimentary role. Um, what about Marcus Damask from, uh, from uh, SIU? Have you seen a little bit of him? Yeah, I've seen a little bit of SIU and Domask. Again, especially once he committed here, I was like, ah, I'll check him out. And I mean, he can fill it up. Like he's not the most dynamic or the best athlete, but and I know he was, you know, playing at SIU. It's like not the best competition, but you don't stumble into three straight seasons of 15 points per game without having some craft to your game and having some ability to get buckets. And I think he's a tough shot maker who a lot of times was kind of asked to take tough shots. So now if you can get him playing at Illinois where he's, you know, playing with a guy like Terrence Shannon or one of these point guard targets that they're looking at in the portal, um, now we can play off the ball a little bit. And I think this is a guy that, has experienced being the man and being the number one like scoring option. And he transferred probably because he wasn't looking fat. I think this is a guy that wants to win. He wants to compete. He wants to buy in. So I like the fact that Underwood with those two guys, a got older, like these are two fifth year seniors. So experience is now for a team under the off season. We weren't sure how, how old Illinois would be next year. Now they added three fifth year seniors with Harmon too, but Domas seems to me like a guy that's going to be willing to buy in and accept a smaller role, which I think could help his efficiency. Yeah, I, I like all. I like both those guys. In fact, I'll be honest with you. I'm probably higher on Justin Harmon than other guys because I watched the NIT. <laughs> so if you watched him in the NIT, you're like, this kid's like legit. You're wondering that you start going back and looking at the numbers, saying, why wasn't he this good all year? And because in the NIT, he was legit. I mean, he was a against really good competition too. Like he wasn't just playing against you know in at utah valley so it's almost like a guy who wanted the big stage wants that t- challenge against that competition he's clearly athletic enough um so now you you know you you what do you get out of him yeah well it's funny i remember watching Harmon all the way back at curie um mm-hmm. when he was there in high school and those curie teams they weren't the most talented like they didn't have as much talent as the simeons morgan parks or Wendy young's back then but they won a lot of games and it's because he's tough He's a pit bull. He's competitive. And I think it's kind of that dog that like mm-hmm. Chester Frazier really buys into. Like, yeah. I'm not saying it reminds me of Chester's or Frazier, but they both have that pit bull mentality in the backcourt. And I think, I think defensively is where he might provide the biggest impact. I know you have sincere Harris, but Harmon's got a little more girth to him. I think he's a little bit taller. You know, that's another guy like if him and Harris play together, you could really lock up some opposing backcourts. And then on the ball, yeah, he's another guy who scored it a lot and took a decent amount of shots at the low major level. But now he comes to Illinois and he's got more talent around him than he's ever had before. So he can, he gives you a guy that can kind of slow it down in the half court, get you into your sets, which you know Illinois last the point guard situation last year <laughs> went off less the rails. Less than ideal. Less yeah, than ideal. <laughs> Starting point guard transfers mid season, like tough to build around. But now you have a guy like Harmon who. Again, four-year college guy, two at Juco, but still an older guy that can play on the ball, and again, just seems to be willing to buy in to the team. I don't think he, I don't think he's coming here expecting to be the guy, and I think that's fine for what Illinois has because, you know, I think me and you are both are we think Terrence Shannon probably coming back. Like we're both kind of yeah. under that 
assumption. Like that's that's your superstar. That's your guy. He was first yep. team all last year. And now you're trying to build around him. And I think Harmon with both his defense and his ability to kind of slow things down and get the team organized will be a good fit for that. Yeah, it seems to me like you hope that you don't have to play guys as many minutes as you played Shannon and and like Coleman Hawkins last year because you want to – and part of it is like I, I talked to Brad a little bit about this too, Brad Underwood, and he's like, you got to – they got to show me that I want to play 10 – I'm going to play 10 or 11 guys, but I got to have 10 or 11 guys that show me they can play as opposed to I'm not just going to put them out there just because. So I think you got these old guys – They've shown they can do it, and so he'll, he'll give them some time. And I think Harmon provides that security uh, at in the backcourt. But but let's be clear, they still want a point guard, right? So so you, we all kind of you know it's the unwritten thing. Like who do we think is going to be the point guard of Illinois next year? We all think the same thing, right? We we're all kind of leaning towards Ray J. Dennis from Toledo being the ideal guy to add this. Obviously, you know originally from Oswego, um, and you know. In Illinois, be a fifth-year senior, MAC Player of the Year. You know, had it just a fantastic year this year at Toledo. What have, What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I mean, I was like watching him as a kind of a fringe NBA guy. I mean, he had a monster year at Toledo, and even dating back to again another local kid. So I got to see him at high school, Oswego East, I believe. Um, in high school, I was like, oh, like this is a pretty good guy for Boise State back in the day. Like I've always kind of liked this kid. Um, but he's, he's not the he's not like the biggest. I think he's he's got true point guard, but he's got point guard size at six two. Like he's also not, you know. I liked Jaden Epps, but he was definitely a little bit undersized. I don't think he'll run into that issue with Ray J. And yeah, another guy who I like his like three level scoring ability. I feel like he can get to the rim, pretty ambidextrous finisher. He can use both hands. Got good touch in the mid range. And another guy who was like thirty six percent from three, but if his usage isn't as high. And he gets more yeah. open looks. I think he could easily shoot over 40% from three. I really like the way his yeah. shot looks. And then he passed it really well, too. Like last year, he was up to nearly six assists a game, barely turned it over. Like this is a guy who I think could have all Big Ten potential. Yeah. Brandon is a young guy who's going to be, uh, you know, he's going to, if he continues in this business, he's going to be very successful. He has a great eye for scouting and talent. He's made some really good connections. Um, and he's, you know, he's out and about, he's willing to go out and travel and see, he's been to NBA workouts, sees that. And, and it kind of gives you an idea of what to, then it gives you an idea of what to expect when you come into a, a situation here, a, a, you know, when you're doing scouting of, of younger kids as well. Yeah, this was a, a fantastic podcast and uh, the few of the highlights you'll hear right here and if you like more check out sturdy for 30 where it goes into a lot of depth on uh, what brandon's seeing and and watching yeah this was just a few minutes of that but it was uh, just outstanding and you can find that also on the front page uh of alliniguys.com as well but again uh brad sturdy well done with brandon simberg and hopefully we can talk with him again uh, here this summer as um the camps begin and it's hard to believe already the class of 2024 seniors in high school here in a few weeks and uh, we're starting to look at them and see where they are going to land much more to come right here this is the sports spectacular stay with us you're listening to the sports spectacular powered by alliniguys.com on the Illini guys radio network now let's get back to the studio well hard to believe that guess what's still around the transfer portal. Yes, it's the it's the thing that never closes. It's like 7-Eleven. Uh, we're here in week pie of uh, the portal. Um, you know, in past weeks, we focused on, you know, Big Ten teams and kind of the, the comings and goings uh, in the portal. Let's this week, since we're getting 
beginning to kind of get down uh, to where some of these names, the, the names you may recognize at the moment, kind of becoming fewer and fewer. Uh, Brad, let's start with Hunter Dickinson, the former Michigan center, uh, is all all over the place. Hunter actually, uh, you know, finally made his commitment on Thursday. Decided to go to Kansas. Really, not a. It, it wasn't surprising to us, you know. I mean, we we knew that that was a, a very distinct possibility that he was going to end up there because, and you think about Bill Self's history. He uses big guys, and he's used big guys. Even when he, you know, he likes to play through the post. He likes to run some high low. He likes to run these different things, and 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 I do think that's uh that that's why it's a good fit for him. But you know, he drugged this out. He went on visits to Villanova and Georgetown and Maryland and Kentucky, and everybody thought they were. I think all these schools thought they had a chance. At the end of the day, we kind of knew it was going to be Kansas. Yeah, I I agree. I think he fits really well there. Um, you know, but even the video was strange where Bill Self is in the video. It makes you wonder, did he shoot one of these everywhere he went? <laughs> or did he fly back out to Lawrence to put this put this thing together? I think with the NIL that he got, Larry, he could have afforded to afford to fly <laughs> to Lawrence a couple of times. Uh so I, I think he was okay there. He's uh you know, definitely a guy that's gonna make an impact though. Probably the biggest name we've ever had in the portal. You know, the the question, Brad. Now, you you obviously are are a basketball insider, no Big Ten inside and out. Are there any of these transfer portal players that you look at and you're like, you know, you're thinking, man, this is a guy that I'd love, and you're trying to figure out, you know, where they're going to go or or you know how much they can help people. Uh, any 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 guys you're particularly interested in, just based on your own viewings of guys from. High school well, up to today. See, I, I'll, first of all, I'll talk about a guy who's out there and he's been talked about a lot. Ray J. Dennis is is a guy from Toledo that Illinois, Illinois, Indiana, other schools are high on. And there are other schools too. I mean, he's one of the, he's a really, it's a great example of a guy going from a mid-major. He's like a Mac player of the year, stepping up a level to kind of showcase what he can do at the next level. And I think he's going to be really good at the next level. He's a facilitator. He's a scorer. Um, he can score at all three levels. So I really like him. But let me tell you, here's what I want to see out of the portal, and I think this is where we're going to go in the future. Right now, you've got all these teams. They're taking the fifth-year guys because, well, you can. You've got all these COVID guys who have this extra year, and we're only going to have this for another year. But after that, I think the wave of the future is to take guys who are freshmen who are really good but maybe either didn't get the opportunity or didn't have the right fit in their freshman year, and then they're going into second year. And you know who got a guy right now is Tommy Lloyd at Arizona got a guy named Jaden Bradley. I love this kid. I think he's going to be really good. He's the kind of kid you can bet on to really make that stride as a sophomore year. And and it wouldn't shock me if we're talking about him being like an all-conference player next year. That's the kind of guy that I, I'm always looking to see in the portal. I think that's how you're going to build in the future. Now, one other question for you. you you've had a chance to watch this portal now for a couple of years. And if you were just advising a player – do you have any thoughts about the timing as to when they should or should not enter the portal? You know, you got about a two month period there. Is there anything that you've seen any patterns as a guy who's watching this more critically than just a fan who's looking for one team to do well? I mean, obviously fans always want the guy to get in the portal and then commit to us quickly. That's what we want. <laughs> but for the kid, just wait, wait, I wouldn't even enter the, you don't even have to enter the portal. Take your time. Enter the portal when you want, you know, by the deadline, find the best fit. Because here's the deal. You may go to a place and you signed this financial letter and you've now you've transferred, you're in there. Now you're stuck. 
right? And, and so what if they go out and find another point guard and you're a point guard? What if you're a center and they add another center? Now you're like, wait a second. They didn't tell me they were going to do that. But, you know, so why not wait? Just let it play out. Um, that's our favorite thing, you know, lipo, right? Just let it happen and, and see what happens just so you make sure you make the best decision for yourself. I think that we've seen this in high school kids commit too early. It's the same thing in the portal. And it's a shorter time where it's not like four years, but in this two-month period window, let it happen, right? Yeah, and so much can happen. You're right. You've been saying for weeks, listen, you know, it's going to come in waves and there's some guys going to, you know, they're going to get into the portal at the end of the process. And then that's like a, a second wave coming in. And we're seeing that right now, these guys. But you mentioned Ray J. D- Dennis. He's not a household name, but yet some of the metrics uh, show that he's like one of the most efficient guys out there, even over Hunter Dickinson. He's got a big prize uh, in this this uh, portal. Brad's always a great stuff there. Portal update from Mr. Sturdy. Um, and again, if you follow him on Twitter, um, it's just uh, uh, it, it's always just cool to kind of follow this along. And we still have a few more weeks to go. So, again, it's not ending anytime soon. Keep it here. We'll pay some bills, and we're back with more chat after this. Packages start at $29.99 a month with signed agreement. Restrictions apply. Speak to a representative for complete offer details. See Vivint.com for license details. Terms and conditions apply. Homeowners, if you're looking for the best in home security and smart home technology at a price you can actually afford, we have great news. Now you can get Vivint's award-winning home security systems starting at about a dollar a day. U.S. News and World Report has recognized Vivint as the best professionally installed home security system of 2022. And right now, you can get Vivint's home security technology for about a dollar a day. Plus, get free professional installation from a licensed technician. Protect your home and loved ones for as low as a dollar a day. Call right now for your free home security consultation. 800-613-8053. 800-613-8053. 800-613-8053. That's 800-613-8053. Hi, this is Larry Smith, proud native of Central Illinois. It's been an honor to have reported on the world's biggest sporting events for the past three decades. And as a lifelong Illini fan, it's a privilege to now be with IlliniGuys.com. My friends and I put this together with one goal in mind, to have the best Illini-centric website around. Great features, podcasts, insider stuff. I know a little something about telling athlete stories, and these guys know a lot about the Illini. It's a perfect match. Come over and check it out. IlliniGuys.com. Sports Spectacular, and uh, checking in with uh, Kedrick Prince. He is the director of recruiting for IlliniGuys.com and author of the podcast, Ked's Recruiting Roundup, as you know. Uh, Ked, catching up with uh, an Illinois prospect here uh, the past several days, uh, Mikey Lewis, 6'3 point guard. He's a rising senior class of 2024 out of Colorado. Already Cal, uh, Syracuse, and San Francisco have offered, along with uh, Illinois making offers. Ked talking with Mikey uh, about, uh, well, his uh, interest in the Illini and how the recruitment got started. Let's listen in. You rate your overall performance. Um, I think I played pretty well last weekend. I um, I think I showcased some of my abilities and what, what it is that I'm good at. And uh, I'm just trying to look forward and uh, to building on this past weekend and try to translate that into some more wins. The, the more you play, the better you got. Did you see teams start to defend you a little bit differently, or when I and you didn't look at that you played your? Did you see coaches again how people defended you just a little different for you the more you played? Uh, yeah, I saw the the change in defense a lot. Um, 
just between the first game and the last, it was a it was some more face guarding and like um, off ball denial, trying not to uh, let me not touch the ball. But I was just trying to uh, work to get myself open and um, doing doing the best I could. Is that a compliment to you as a player? And it's okay to say yeah because you know, you know, do you feed off that kind of stuff? Does that make you play harder to say hey, what well, I've, I've arrived now? I got my game level. Yeah, it's definitely a compliment to me. Um, I think that when they when uh, when teams start doing that, it's a sign of like you know they you know they're just competitive as everybody else and they want to win. So that's what they feel like they got to do to win is like face guard and do stuff like that. So I think it's a compliment to me in my game. What's your opinion on playing AAU basketball versus high school? A lot of high school coaches, AAU coaches, they all have different opinions on it. For example, is one tougher than the other? You think, or is one better? Do you think high school is better for this is better? Can you elaborate on which one or which would you prefer to play? Um, I like playing them both a lot, to be honest. Um, AAU is more fast paced, up and down style of game, which I like. But I also uh, I also like high school basketball a lot. I'll go uh, I go to accelerated prep. I play in the grind session. And, you know, those games are every game is almost like a. a the EYBL game to me is, is just as far as like the physicality and the tempo of pace of play and stuff like that. So um, I like them both um, to be real. I think that I think for just like, as far as like recruitment, I'd say uh, AAU is probably better just, just like off me and my personal situation uh, this weekend. But um, I think I also really think that high school got me ready playing against uh, guys from different classes who may have been older and stuff like that just coming back to my age group where everybody's uh, all juniors and I think it prepared me a lot. I've had a chance to go to a couple of EYBLs and I've also been on TV. Um, a lot, one of the knocks is people say AAU basketball, you know, they just throw the ball out there. There's not a lot of coaching. I disagree with them. What's your opinion on see coaches run things? I see coaches make adjustments. Opinion on the, the coaching. Um, or the like that people have say about AAU basketball? Um, I think it's all situation-based. Me personally, I feel like I have great coaches between uh, Coach uh, Tension, Coach Coach Cam, and uh, Coach Marshall Collins. I think they're uh, great coaches. We, you know, we uh, they give us a scout before every game, and, you know, they make adjustments on the fly. They're drawing up plays. Uh, it's really competitive, so. I can't speak for everybody else in their situation as far as just like, you know, rolling the ball out, throwing it out. But I know for us, us personally, they, uh, yeah, we, they take it serious and they're trying to help us get better. You know, I had kids grow up in the gym and we spent our lives in the gym. What is that like to get your spring and summer when, when your friends are maybe hanging out, going to the, doing other things and video games? Why is it, why are you so determined? How hard is that to give up your life to, want to fulfill a dream that you have um to me it's really not that hard um you know this is something i've been wanting to do since uh since i can remember so it's almost you know some people call it a sacrifice i don't even really see it as that i just think i just see it like uh i'm just working hard to accomplish something that i want to do um you know i would like to hang out with my friends some more but it's not like i feel like i'm like big time or anything like that i just i get with them when i can but they also understand that um that, you know, I'm trying to accomplish a goal and they support me in that in every way. So I'm real thankful for them. Okay. I'll preview on this interview so that you know a little bit about Illinois due to Coleman Hawkins. Could you elaborate on that for the little 
Uh, yeah, so I'm from Oakland, California. Um, that's about 30, 40 minutes away from Prolific Prep. So when I was in um, middle school, I used to go watch Prolific Prep games. And, uh, you know, Coleman would be playing. You know, that was a team with um, – with Jalen Green and Amari Burnett and all of them, so I would uh, I go up there and I'd watch uh I watch prolific games when they were playing at like Napa Valley College and stuff like that. Okay, now you recently got an offer from the university. Um, can you give me or the listeners, excuse me, the the history that you know and what you like about them, um, or the order intrigues you about the University of Illinois offer from assistant coach Jeff Frazier? Uh, yeah, I know that. Um. Illinois is one of the better teams in the um, the Big Ten. They, uh, you know, Coach Underwood has done a great job in his time up there, and uh, I think I think they're a really good program. I like how uh, Coach Frazier he um, he's really recruiting me right now. He's tapping in with my family a lot, and um, just seeing how like I'm doing and how my family's doing. Um, and you know, he was just saying about how he like uh, how they let their guards play up there, and I think it's a style that I can see myself in. That's just a part of the uh, podcast on the Keds Recruiting Roundup uh, series of podcasts. You can get those anywhere that you do get your podcast, or you can find a link as well on the front page of IlliniGuys.com. Stay with us. Much more to come. We'll uh, wrap things up after this. You're tuned in to the Sports Spectacular on the Illini Guys Radio Network. When life isn't easy, you need health care that is. You need OSF On-Call Urgent Care. With OSF On-Call Urgent Care, we make it easy to get affordable, quick, convenient care for minor illnesses and injuries when and where you need it. Reserve an appointment online or walk in for care 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. every day, even on holidays. Virtual visits are also available 24-7, 365. Get started today or find a clinic near you at osfoncall.org slash urgent care. Do you know someone with a drug or alcohol problem? Get help right now. Insurance may cover everything. Stop the drug and alcohol nightmare. Are drug and alcohol problems hitting you too close to home? Get help right now. Insurance may cover everything. 877-927-3380. 877-927-3380. That's 877-927-3380. Are you tired of your website making your business look bad? Is your current web developer dropping the ball? Let's face it, if your website isn't making you money, it's broken. Let Neon Rain create a website that turns your visitors into customers. Neon Rain has worked with hundreds of businesses across North America, building custom websites and applications with modern designs that are easy to update and work well on mobile devices. They can do it for you too. What sets Neon Rain apart? They actually deliver on their promises. Call today for a free consultation, 303-957-3092. That's Neon Rain at 303-957-3092. Or visit them at neonrain.com. You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys Radio Network. Now, let's get back to the studio. We would be remiss if we completed the show and uh, did not honor a couple of um, of just bands, great icons in sports who passed away uh, this week. Uh, Mike Shannon, um, obviously a legend in St. Louis. Uh, uh, Brad, I know you've always been a big fan of his, uh, passing away at the age of 83. Yeah, Mike Shannon, you know, um, you go back and I, I grew up listening to Mike Shannon, you know, uh, you know, you go back in the days of Jack Buck and Mike Shannon doing the Cardinal games. I mean, that was, uh, that was, that was what you, what you listened to. And, 
you know, Shannon was always a, a fun guy, you know, to listen to because he made he made broadcasting fun. You know, he really did. It was entertaining, and you could listen to it on the radio, and you, you felt like you were there. And um, yeah, it's it's a shame to see him. Obviously, a great player too. He has a great great career uh, prior to when he went in the booth. But I didn't know him back then. Mike probably knew back then because that was when he was watching baseball or listening yeah. to baseball. Yeah, you, you know, it was interesting because he was a guy who would express some frustrations every once in a while when a player wouldn't play well, but he never got personal about it. And so mm-hmm. I always found him, you know, the, that, that, that fine line to be able to criticize, but not embarrass or, um, you know, make, make, a, make a guy look like an idiot. And I, I thought he was fantastic, you know, and if you were a Cardinal fan, him and Jack Buck are just classic. Just, I mean, they were the team, right? I mean, it just, you know, the two of them together. And then, of course, he carried on after Jack uh, died. I did get a chance to meet him once at the 06 World Series. And I shared this on social media. Um, he invited me in to his restaurant when he had his restaurant there downtown before he closed it down. Back again in 06. Uh, it's Mike Shannon. It's his daughter. Um, I think her name is Pat. Uh, Dusty Baker, Charlie Steiner, and me. And Mike Claiborne, uh, the radio guy down there. Uh, the stories they were just telling body road stories. Okay. From their playing days that I cannot repeat here. Um, that's how R rated they were. <laughs> so, but it was just, uh, I mean, I, 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 one of the nights I laughed as hard that night as I've ever laughed in my life. And uh, my last time seeing Mike, I wasn't close to him just a happenstance. And, uh, but he's uh, gone at 83 and certainly missed uh, in St. Louis and baseball fans everywhere. Uh, another uh, star athlete who passed away at the age of 83, uh, literally within hours apart, Ralph Boston, a name you may or may not remember. Um, older um, uh, sports fans recall that in 1960, he broke uh, Jesse Owens' Olympic long jump record. Um, Ralph was a good friend of mine. We were golf buddies for 30 years. Um, was always back in my celebrity tournament back in Matthew, Illinois. Uh, we just, we always had a great time, uh, lived near each other, uh, man, he's just a fantastic person. Uh, Ralph is somebody that, that we once bought the same model car unbeknownst to each other. And we pulled up at the golf course that spring to play. And he jumps out and yells, why'd you buy my car? Um, and then another time we, we were playing in a tournament and, um, I hit a tee shot and smack on, uh, and rolled about four inches away from being a hole in one. It was well short, but it was right on line. We get to the grade. He goes, you want me to kick it in for you? I won't tell anybody. <laughs> so always with a smile. And uh, he had a stroke recently and passed away. And um, so certainly both families, we certainly wish, uh, wish well. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't uh, until I, you know, when you, you mentioned this and you brought this up, I wasn't as familiar with his uh, track and field career. So this, I, I really, it's really cool. That I got a chance to read up and learn about him. What an impressive thing. I mean, Anytime you can, anytime you beat a record held by Jesse Owens, you did something pretty special. And, and then he coached the person who beat him for a gold one year with with Bob Beeman. I mean, and he set it when he set a record. So I mean, it was it's pretty amazing, you know, how this this gentleman had an effect over you know more than a decade of the highest level competition, and most of us, you know, couldn't. You know, we, we at high school, we were overwhelmed with the talent, you know, and here he is on an international level. So uh, we're certainly sorry for your loss. And sounds like uh, a great sportsman is, has passed on to the other side. No, no question. Great sportsman. I appreciate that. Uh, classy gentleman. If you saw my Facebook page, the people who also had time, spent time with him said the same thing. 
class personified. And here's what's cool. 83 years old. Uh, earlier this spring, he actually was coaching a local high school track team, helping volunteering coaching the long jump kids um, at the beginning of the season. Uh, so he was giving to others right up uh, until the end. And he would joke about his career. He said, I won gold in 60, silver in 64, bronze in 68. There's no medal for fourth place. So I got out. I, I left. So uh, he <laughs> often joke about his career, in that way, um, which was pretty cool. Speaking of a win place show, Kentucky Derby, 149th. Um, yes, I will be there in my, uh, my day job. Um, it would, it, which is pretty cool. I've only, I've only done three horse races. This will be the fourth one. Um, a new look They're They're putting in hundreds of millions of dollars in upgrades there at Churchill down. So a brand new paddock area that'll open for good in 2024. Um, there's a different, you won't see the same camera angles that you saw in terms of the booth with NBC sports, uh, on the first term, because they've now built, um, that area up and it's a, it's another area, of, uh, high rollers. Like I think it's like a thousand bucks to get in there. Um, but who do you guys like? Do you guys, do you get into horse racing? Who do you like this weekend? Angel of empire. That's my pick eight to one going off. I think it's the third favorite. That's, that's my pick. There you go. I, I, I don't know anything about horse racing, but I always know that I need to beware of wet paint. So I'm thinking wet paint is the one that I am going to be thinking is going to be the, the, the winner. And then we can all know that you definitely don't try to tread on wet paint. <laughs> I'm going to try tap it thrice uh, just because I like the name and I don't know, come, uh, come post them. I might change my mind here, but um, always a good time. It's always a lot of fun. The Kentucky Derby uh, certainly um, here with us. Hey, one more thing I want to get to you guys. Uh, I know you enjoy the game of golf. How about Jack Nicholas this week uh, talking about the pace of play that it's too slow and simply just not enjoyable. Uh, the golden bear speaking out on, on the current status of golf. He's not wrong. I mean, yeah. you know, it, it, here's the, here's what I can't figure out. We got speed up rules in baseball because the games <laughs> take too long. We got, we're trying to, you know, we're speed up rules in college football. Golf's longer than ever. I mean, like <laughs> it's forever. Like these guys take forever. Like I, I'm watching Patrick Cantley. I think he's still got a waggle going on from last weekend. He hasn't finished his round um, on Sunday. So no, I, and I know they've tried to pick up the pace of play and I know there are obviously weird things that happen with in pro-ams and three got three when they have to go threesome sometimes to go, you know, because they get rain delays. But when two guys are playing golf together, it shouldn't take that long because it doesn't take me that long. And I hit it a lot more times than they do. So there's, you know, it shouldn't take that long. Yeah, and I, I have to admit that my pathetic golf game gets even worse if I have to wait too long between shots. So to me, it would seem, as a golfer, it would seem easier if they sped it up a little bit to keep your rhythm going, at least when you're when you're playing well. But um, I, I think anytime you can speed a sport up a little bit, I think it's generally better for the viewer as, as attention spans seem to be shrinking. Yeah. Yeah. And it's uh, well, and it's, that's a lot of time to fill in between is these guys are walking uh, from the T block T box to, uh, you know, 350 yards where the ball is or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as usual, time goes by uh, way too fast. We certainly appreciate everyone who came by the show this week. We appreciate you stopping in as always and listening every weekend. Uh, we're here 52 weeks out of the year. We'll be right back here in the same place, same station, uh, same time next weekend for Brad and Mike. I'm Larry. Appreciate you. Enjoy the games. Enjoy the weekend. We'll see you next time. ILL. This has been a presentation of LMBC Sports, LLC, and JM Talent Productions. 
We'll be back next week on the Illini Guys Radio Network on these same stations across Illinois.